So I believe that was Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. And could we stand for the reading of God's word? So that was Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. God's word, his truth, and his wisdom. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This is the word of the Lord. You knew when to sit. Look at that. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to you men in this room. And um, Mark, thank you for that. That was just so encouraging and beautiful and real. I hope you guys all took that to heart. So good. Well, we're in this series this summer on asking the question, how do we cultivate an inner life with God? How do we engage in this rich, personal daily walk with the God of the universe. And specifically, we're asking the question, what are the habits, what are the rhythms, what are the the disciplines that we are to engage in that will help to foster that kind of rich relationship with God? And we're starting with, I think, the most foundational one of all, the habit, the discipline of a regular time in God's word. And so we began with Psalm 1 two weeks ago and talked about the fruit that can come, the kind of life that can emerge from keeping company with God's word. His word keeps us planted in truth by streams of water. It's this constant source of refreshment and encouragement. And of course, we can have these lives that bear fruit. And last week, I got much more practical and asked the question, how specifically can we approach scripture in such a way that this happens, that our lives really do produce fruit? And my encouragement to you was to read scripture relationally, meaning The reading of the Bible is not just an end in and of itself. It's not just something to check off the list. But I'm reading this for the purpose of cultivating my relationship with God. Because God meets me in this word. And God speaks to me through this word. But the point is not the book. The point is the person, God. So we need to read always with this mindset of, Lord, what are you wanting to say to me as I read this word? So I gave you a couple... uh, chapter or a couple yeah psalms and chapters in, in the book of John to read this week. Um, I hope some of you were, had a chance to read through those and, and try to approach the word uh, in a relational way. I got a couple emails from some of you that were so encouraging in terms of how God met you, very specifically, how God spoke to you through his word this week. So I hope some of you had a chance to do that. If you didn't this week, I'm going to give you another chance all summer long. So you get another shot at this. Um, So one more week. This is our final week on 
specifically reading, meditating on God's word. And I want to get, again, very practical, almost painfully practical uh, by the end of this morning. But I think sometimes getting practical is, is very helpful. So I've chosen Psalm 119 to, to finish up this conversation about God's word. We started in Psalm 1. Here's another psalm. A little context of Psalm 119. Uh, this is the longest psalm in uh, the Psalter. It is actually the longest chapter in the entire Bible, I think. And if you don't know this, uh, Psalm 119 is one large acrostic poem. So you know what an acrostic poem is, right? Each one starts with a certain letter. So some of you dads, when you had young kids on Father's Day, you probably maybe once got an acrostic poem. D-A-D, dad, right? Dad. D stands for whatever. Daring. A for adventurous. Awesome. You know, whatever. An acrostic. So each, each line starts with a letter. And this poem actually takes you through the entire Hebrew alphabet. From Aleph, you probably have Aleph, see in verse 1, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit, He, Vav, Sion, all the way to Tub. It's the A to Z, or the uh, Aleph to Tub, <laughs> of God's word. And so each, each section has eight verses, and each verse in the section begins with that same letter. So verses 1 through 8, every verse begins with the Hebrew letter Aleph. In our passage, verse 9 through 16, each of those eight verses begins with the Hebrew letter bait. So it's really what it is. It's a, it's a creative way to talk about God's word. And what I think of this, it's, a, it's an extended love poem to God's word. It is a, an acrostic love poem to the word of God. The, 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 the delight that comes from meditating and then living out the word of God. And we have here, verses 9 through 16, this is beautiful picture of a life committed to God's word. Begins in verse 9, take a look. How can a young man stay on the path of purity? That, of course, would also apply to old men. It also applied to young women and, young, and older women. Anyone, how can a person stay on the path of purity? How can we live a life that is the life that we're called in, that this, the, the straight and narrow, if we can say it that way, the, the, what is going to lead to true life? The answer is, is, of course, by living according to your word. And you can't miss in, in these verses, there's this real theme of this dedication and this, this total commitment to God's word. And, and at first glance, it almost sounds a little self-righteous. If you just read it like this person, verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Wow. Uh, my lips recount all your laws. Verse 16. That, wow, that's, that's impressive. I don't know if I could say that about myself. But if you read the entire psalm, you get, you get a fuller picture of this person. This is really aspirational. This is what they long for. If you look back at verse 5, take a look at verse 5. It says, oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees, which is to say, I'm not always steadfast, but if only, oh, I I long to always be steadfast. And so you have these prayers throughout this psalm. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands, right? Verse 12, praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. So this is expressing a longing, a desire, and a commitment to pursuing God's word. And that's what it means to be God's children, to have God as our father. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? It doesn't mean that we always do it perfectly, but there's this, this deep longing within us. There's this commitment towards God's word, however imperfectly we sometimes live it out. And that's what we're, we're seeing in this psalm. And where I want to focus, I'm not going to spend a ton of time in the psalm, but I want to focus in on verse 11. Uh, my favorite 
verse in our section, probably the most well-known verse, maybe in this entire psalm, verse 11. I love this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We sing a song with our, our girls that talks about this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Isn't that a beautiful image, sentiment? We want to ask ourselves, can I, can I say that of myself? Is that true of me? I truly have hidden God's word in my heart. Heart, of course, in the Old Testament, is, is, refers to the inner person. It is, we would say, our core. That, that place deep inside Saying, I, I've hidden your word. Not, your word isn't just out there somewhere in my mind or in my life, kind of on the, on the outskirts, on the periphery. No, your, your word is, is in my heart. It's right there at the core. It says, I've hidden it there. Not meaning I keep it secret. Not meaning I don't let it out. Because later on he's going to say, with my lips I recount your lies. No, but that's, the heart is where it is stored. The heart is where it dwells. That is where it's taking root. I've hidden your word in my heart. I, I couldn't help but think of, of the Christmas story of Mary. Remember where Mary is encountering you know, the, these angels and these shepherds come and, and, and see the baby Jesus. All these things that she sees. And there's that phrase that says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Do you guys all remember that? Yeah. Right? It's this beautiful picture. Excuse me, I'm just going to get rid of some of my own hair out of my own mouth. Um, <laughs> could have gone 30 minutes with that and you would have never known, but I would have been distracted the whole time. Um, Sheesh. No recovery from that. Um, Yes. This, this picture of this woman who, who submits herself to being the, you know, the mother of the Messiah and and these events are taking place, but she is, she's treasuring. She's taking it all in. She's noticing it. She's, she's keeping it in her heart. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart. The purpose is, in verse 11, so that I might not sin against you. Or more positively, we could say, so that I might obey you. So that I might walk in your way. Your word is available to me inside so that as I go through my days, I can access it. It's there so that I can bring it forth and live according to it. Now, who is the master of this, of hiding God's word in his heart? Answer is easy. Jesus, right? He was the master of hiding God's word in his heart so that he might obey his God, his Father. Right? I'm thinking of, of course, the temptations in the wilderness where Jesus was out in the wilderness for 40 days facing all kinds of temptations. But it was clear that as a man of 30 years old, for 30 years, he had hidden God's word. He had wrestled with it and stored it up so that he could access it in the moment of temptation. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Well, it's written, right? Man does not live on bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes from God's mouth. Why don't you jump off the temple, see what God does? Well, it is written, don't put the Lord to the test, right? It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He had hidden God's word in his heart so that in the moment of temptation, he might not sin against them. Love this uh, quote from D.A. Carson. The heart stored up with the word is the antidote to sin. That's what we do. We fight temptation with the truth of God's word. We remind ourselves of the promises of God in that moment, that God really knows what is best, and that whatever other voice is speaking to us in this moment does not know what's best for us. He knows this is what is going to lead to life. But we need that word in our hearts so that we can Bring it to mind in the moment of temptation. 
The question, of course, is how do we hide it in our hearts? And that's really what he talks about in verse 13 through 16. I'll just sort of mention it. Uh, Look at verse 13. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. So he talks about God's word. I don't know if he's saying, I recount to other people. I share God's word with others. He might be saying in the community, we talk about it with one another. That's true. Or maybe he's just talking about recounting it to himself. I, I just speak it out. I remind myself. He might have been talking about, I memorize it and it comes out. I don't know. But I'm, I'm constantly recounting uh, his words, his laws. Verse 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. That's the same word we saw in Psalm 1. I meditate. I, I take it in. I ponder it. I think about it a lot. I don't just read it, but I really let it sink in. And then verse 14 and 16, there's this theme of joy and delight. Look at verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Verse 16. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And that's the tone that really comes through in all of Psalm 119. is this theme of, of joy and delight. The idea God's word is not merely duty and obligation, but it is joy and delight. I love God's law. I find delight in it. And that's what I want to leave us with in talking about God's word. That, that there is joy and love and life to be found in his word. But I just want to suggest this. The, the joy that comes is not something that you can receive from the outside looking in when it comes to God's word. It's not something you can like, I'll go to God's word every now and then. I'll just, I'll just kind of see what it, what it has to say. You, you will not find joy in delighting God's word that way. The way you discover the joy of God's word is you say, I'm going con- to commit my life to this. I'm going to submit my life to this. I'm going to live according to God's word. And you find out in the living it out wow, this really does lead to joy because this really does lead to life. But you can't, you can't discover that unless you make that commitment. We, we, that reading of Psalm 34 we had at the beginning, we read, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, you really have to taste it. You really have to take it in. You really have to live by it. Only then do you discover, this really does stand the test. Like this, I've tested this in life and it has proven itself to be true. It describes reality as it really is, and its commandments really do lead to a life that is well-lived. But there's only one way to discover that. (laughs) It's to try it. And the joy is found only on the other end of actually living it out and trying it. So that's the call of this three-week section on God's Word, to, to dive in, to commit yourself, and you will find life here. Because the God of all life speaks to us through his Torah, through his book. All right? I'm not finished yet. Sound like I was. All right. So I want to I end on some real practical notes on this. Again, practically, how do we do this? How do we dive in to the word? How do we make this? Uh, uh, how do we keep company with God's word on a daily, regular basis so that, that we are living in this. This is, this is the, the air we're breathing every day. A couple thoughts here. Uh, before I give you my thoughts, I took a survey of some of you over the last two weeks. Um, I grabbed the Axios men and the Wednesday morning abide group and then the Tuesday blessing young moms ministry. 
And I just sent out an online survey, anonymous reporting back, so I don't know who it was that said what they said. I got just over 75 answers. And I thought it'd be fun for us to hear from one another in terms of our own experience of God's word and some of the fruit that has come, but really just some, just how, what is your relationship with God's word like? So fathers, on Father's Day, my gift to you is I have stats and graphs coming up right now. <laughs> and I know some of you women love stats and graphs too, but I knew you men particularly. Finally, a spirituality that you can quantify, right? This is my, my gift to you. On Father's Day. So here's the questions I answer. I ask. First question. How often do you read the Bible on your own? I'm talking about personal Bible reading. Here were the categories. Daily-ish. Uh, three to five times a week. Uh, one to two times a week. And less than one time a week. Um, what do you think is going to be number one answer? Daily, three to five. One to two. Here they come. Here they come. Three to five. So, uh, well over 50% of, now, now you gotta, this is, um, I will say this may not be a full representative sample of, of our Sunday morning crew. These are people that are also committed midweek. So these would be our kind of, they're, they've, they're deep into this community, not just, Hey, we come once every, you know, four weeks on a Sunday morning. This is people who are pretty invested in this community, but well over 50% of you read three to five times. Um, and then, you know, almost 50% of you read, uh, Less than three times with some of you, one out of every five, that might be never, that might be, you know, once a month. So there's a, there's a good range. Uh, second question. Uh, the question was this. Let me give you the full question. I couldn't fit there. When was the last time you went through a season of consistent Bible reading that you experienced as very fruitful and life-giving? Okay. When, can you remember a season? When was the last time that it was, it was a particularly fruitful and life-giving experience for you? Uh, last three months, sometime in the last three months, sometime in the last year, uh, sometime in the last one to three years, uh, less than three years. Do I have a number? Yes. And uh, never. What's that? Oh, greater. Thank you. Greater than three years. Thank you. Never was very good at math. My understanding, there would be no math involved. Uh, all right. So... Uh, well over 60% of you in the last year have had a fruitful season of reading your scripture. But at the same time, you know, we've got about a quarter of you that it's been, it's been a while since, since the word of God has been a fruit, fruit, fruitful experience. That might be in terms of the fact that you haven't been consistent or maybe it's just been a struggle for whatever reason, the, the life season you're in. But you can kind of see that. All right, here is the question that I was really, why is this bumping ahead of me, uh, that I was really interested in. Uh, what are the main barriers that keep you from reading the Bible consistently? Okay. Uh, and you could answer more than one on this, so the, the numbers don't add up on this one. Just to let you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at math, actually. Uh, one was, let me give you the full. My life is very full, and it's hard to find the time. That was the first question. Second one, I don't have a concrete plan in place as to what to read and when to read, so even though I have good intentions, it tends not to happen. Third one, the Bible feels a bit overwhelming. I don't have the confidence that I'll understand what I'm supposed to understand or will be able to make connections that are relevant to my life today. So I just, this is a big book. I, it's just a little bit overwhelming, intimidating. And then the last one was, um, I find more helpful guidance and encouragement from other sources. And those are unspecified. It could be a, some other Christian book. It could be something else. All right. What's the number one answer? So I think we're all going to guess number one or number two, right? 
really interesting. Now, I guess some of the people put number one also put number two. Um, But that really struck me, especially, of course, uh, that 63%. These are people who are saying, I intend to read Scripture. Possibly, I even enjoy reading Scripture and find it fruitful. Um, But it is just an intention. And I I just don't have a, a concrete plan in place. And so it tends not to happen. So that, that information was really helpful to me and, and it shaped what I want to do on the last five to ten minutes here, which is this. I want to encourage us all to have a plan when it comes to reading the Bible on your own. This is the main thing I want to say to you as we wrap this up. And um, there's, you have to have a plan for how you're going to hide God's word in your heart. And, and I just want to acknowledge, for a lot of people, having a plan and a schedule just feels off-putting to us. Uh, that doesn't feel authentic. That doesn't feel spiritual. That, for whatever reasons, it, it, I really have to schedule this? And I just want to suggest, um, push through that. <laughs> because the discipline of a plan, it will lead to freedom in terms of your life with God and His Word. And, and I've thought a lot lately about the, the parallels between spiritual health and physical health. And, and there's so many parallels. And you just think about physical health. If you want to be physically healthy, if you want to be in shape, let's say, if you want to have a body that works and is strong, um, you have to have a plan, right? And that plan at some point has to actually hit your schedule. You have to be able to look at your phone or... Does anyone have a daytimer anymore? I, I kept a daytimer for so long. But Al, is that a daytimer? No, that's your Bible. Okay, it looked like a daytimer. All right. <laughs> You, you can't, it has to hit the schedule, right? Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings is when I go to the gym. If it doesn't hit the schedule, it's kind of just, it tends to be a good intention, especially in the busy world that we live in. And I want to suggest a plan will actually bring about freedom. The, the, the discipline brings freedom. So here's what your plan has to address. Specifically when and where am I going to read God's word, right? It's got to address that. Am I at home? Am I in my office? Is it Monday morning? Is it Monday night? When and where do I do this? Uh, what do I read when I open the Bible? Where, where do I start reading? And then thirdly, we talked about this one last week. Probably the most important question, how do I read? And I, I already mentioned that. I'll, I'll remind you again. So this is, I know, so rudimentary for some of you, but I think really good reminders. So let me talk through this. All right, first, when and where do I read? I want to encourage you, if you don't have a consistent Bible reading program schedule. If you have a pen right now, grab a pen, jot some things down in the next five minutes. Okay. You've got your, hopefully you've got your bulletin. Uh, if you have a phone, you can take notes on your phone. You can catch up on your email. I won't know it. You can do whatever, but I want to encourage you write some things down. Don't just, don't just listen. Okay. Jot, think, scribe. Now, some of you have a plan in place. This will be old hat. You can just listen and enjoy. All right. Um, couple thoughts here. This is just Dave talking. I would encourage you, as you try to come up with, when am I going to read the Bible? Start with 10 to 30 minutes. Carve out 10 to 30 minutes. 10 minutes. Every single person in this room has 10 minutes a day. If you don't have 10 minutes a day, uh, you think you are more important than you are. Okay? Let's just, <laughs> just say it that way. I don't know how else to say it. We all have 10 minutes. And, and God can do significant things in 10 minutes. I have experienced 10 minutes as a very refreshing. If 10 turns to 30, awesome, great. 
Start with 10 if you don't do this regularly. Start with 10. We can all do 10. Um, I think three to five times a week is a good uh, rhythm. Of course, every day would be ideal. But three times a week, can, you can, there, there's consistency in that. Five times a week, maybe it's just during your weekdays, great. So that's what I would encourage you to start. Uh, this is, again, just me. I would encourage a time in the morning. Um, rather than at night. I'm a morning person, so this works, and I want to say that we need to be flexible with each other. But if at all possible, I encourage the morning time. Here's why. The morning sets the tone for your entire day, right? So if I can, the first thing I do is to, is to renew my mind with the word of God. That is going to set the tone for the rest of my day. So if it's possible, I would encourage a morning time, um, if possible. And, and just to say, for some of us, that, that's just going to mean we have to wake up earlier to do this. I mean, if you have young kids like me and your kids wake you up at a certain time, it means you have to wake up before the kids wake you up. You only have to wake up 10 minutes earlier. It's not that much earlier. But some of us, it's, just a, it's going to be about waking up earlier. And I've said this before, and someone said it to me. I think it's so true. Just to rem- remind ourselves, the discipline of an early wake-up time is actually what? the discipline of an early bedtime. That is so true. The battle for when you wake up in the morning is not fought. On, that alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and you're thinking, do I hit the snooze or not? That's not when the battle's fought. The battle is fought at 9 p.m. the night before when you're thinking, should I watch that second episode or not? Okay, That's actually when the battle is fought. So just the way that night and morning works together matter. All right. So... Having said morning reflection, I want to say this more importantly. When you think about a schedule, be be honest with yourself. How does my life actually work? (laughs) What are the actual rhythms of my day? When am I actually in a place where I might be... You know, present to do this. If I'm not a morning person, maybe that's that's not the time. Uh, what what can happen is you can get inspired by a series like this, and then you try to impose this structure on your life that really doesn't fit how your life actually works. It looks really good on paper, but then that m- first Monday comes rolling around, and you're like, yeah, this doesn't work. This is not when this is going to work. So I think you want to be mindful of what are the natural rhythms for me. When, when am I? When are the transitions between things that might be the place to read? What actually? will work? How does my life, what are the actual liturgies of my days, and how can I, how can I make this work with that? Uh, one of those, um, for some of us, home will be the best place to do this. Some of us actually, depending on what our offices are like, work might actually be a better place to do this. It might be good to leave home, to get into my office or, or you know, whatever, and to actually spend a little time reading there. Now, for some of us, that will not work at all. And for some of us, in between time, actually, might be the best time to read scripture. Home is crazy. I can't read scripture in the morning at home. Work is crazy. But I do have that space between home and work that might work for me. Um, one of my friends who's in this room right now, a couple years back, was, was, he's with me in the young fathering. He was trying to figure it out. And he realized that, that between home and work, he drove by the back bay. And so there was a perfect place to pull off in the back bay and to spend 10 minutes reading God's word. And that, that became the perfect little spot. You could do that on the way to work. You could do that on the way back from work. So all that to say, um, how does your life actually work? Where are the places, uh, that, that might work? Uh, of course, sometimes you need to get creative, uh, young moms. Um, if you are home with your children, you might need to get creative in terms of what this looks like. Um, I got some great responses to the survey 
especially from, from some young moms. Uh, breastfeeding became a perfect uh, place to read the word. You've got about 10 minutes there, right? Three to five times a day or whatever that is or overnight. Um, got your phone out, right? The baby doesn't know what you're doing. Um, uh, another young mom said, reading with her children at night, a lot of us parents you know, have these, these rhythms with our kids where you know, before bed we read the word. And that became actually a great time of reading God's word for her. Let me just quote her. I have found such joy since becoming a mom and simply reading the Bible to my girls. What started with a bedtime routine for them turned into a deeper desire for me. I mean, have you just sat down and read all those familiar Bible stories lately? It's amazing to come humbly like a child, open to that wonder. That has revolutionized my Bible time. Okay? Get creative. For me, after baby number three, we moved to a house that has old wood floors that are offensively loud. Okay? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm, I literally, I say out loud, Are you, you've got to be kidding me. So I would love to get up in the morning and go to my backyard and spend time in the yard and read God's word. I can't get to the backyard <laughs> without waking up my kids. So beginning uh, two years ago, when we had our third, I had to put everything on my phone. Any Bible app, the, you know, the Bible itself, needed to be on my phone so that I could wake up and sit, lay in my bed. This is what my life has been reduced to. <laughs> and read in bed. And that worked. Carrie could sleep through that if she was still sleeping. The kids could sleep through that. And uh, now for me, the, the phone is not a temptation. I, I can do that without going straight to, to email. For some of you, that would not be the way to do it. Um, but all that to say, you need to figure out what, what actually will work for me. Uh, for some of you, the, the car itself on the way to work may be the, the best time, and you need to get an audio Bible where you can listen to God's Word or an app that has you know, an audio Bible, and maybe that's the space. Not ideal, I think, but better than nothing, for sure. All right, so are you, I want, are you thinking right now? I want you to be thinking. Like, what are those spaces, the actual spaces that I could carve out that are going to work for me? I would encourage you, write it down. Text it to yourself right now. Think through that. All right, so that's the first question. When and where do I read? Uh, second, what do I read? So I, I've, I've carved out my space. Uh, oh, I didn't say anything about f- physical space can be important. Maybe there's a room in the house. Maybe there's a chair, you know, um, or maybe it's your yard. But I think finding the space that you start to set apart as as sacred space, and not that any space is any more sacred than another, but, but for you and God, it becomes, hey, this is our, I've got an appointment with God, and this is where the appointment takes place. I think that can be a, a helpful thing for people. So anyways, you, you've got your, your Bible open. It's Monday morning. You've got your 10 minutes, your 30 minutes carved out. Uh, the question is, uh, what do I read? I think the most important thing would be um, just have a plan. <laughs> And it really doesn't matter what you read. They're all really good books in here. Like, they're all <laughs> bestsellers. Um, so it really, but have a plan. Uh, three ways, three, three ways to get at this. Simplest one, uh, why don't you go buy a bookmark, okay? It's the easiest way to pl- have a plan. Buy a bookmark and put, your, put it there today at the start of a, of a book. I'd suggest Matthew's Gospel, beginning of the New Testament, okay? Tomorrow morning, go to your bookmark, open it, read the first 20 verses or so. Till you get to a new section, about 20 verses is good. And then put the book, bookmark back. And then tomorrow, you know, or the next day, pick up where you left off. Okay? That's the easiest way to have a plan is buy a bookmark. Being a little facetious here. Um, <laughs> but th- you want to read through books, right? What we want to avoid is, ah, it's been, you know, this is what happens for all of us, right? It's been two weeks. 
I'm not really in anything, so, okay. You know, two weeks later, okay. You know, you, you want to be walking through God's word in some, some capacity. Uh, the formatting of this slide didn't go so well, sorry. Uh, second one, use a real Bible. That means physical Bible. This is an option. You don't have to. But use a real Bible with a reading plan. Uh, so some of you like to have the physical edition of the Bible. And there's some great Bible plans. I have a couple of them here. Um, this is, uh, Daniel gave me, let me borrow this. This is the, the chronological Bible. This will get you through the Bible in a year, the entire Bible in a year. And the great thing is it has the dates. So I go to, what's the date today? July, June, June 18th. So I can go to June 18th and I read. This will get me through it in a year. Many of you on your survey said this has been super helpful. Uh, this is a lot of reading. This might be too much reading for some of you. Uh, I also have a one-year... This, this is an NIV devotional New Testament. This will get you through the New Testament in a year. Uh, and it's about a page and a half. Uh, and it's great. Okay? Um, I have about six of these copies in my office. My office is right through those brown doors. First door on the right. After the service, if you want some of these, just take them. Okay? Just, there's like six or so of them laying there. Have these. So um, many of you said that a one-year, some kind of one-year Bible was super, super helpful. Now, what I've done for the summer is uh, take a look in your insert. I have created a summer Bible reading plan that starts tomorrow and that ends mid-September, which is when most of our small groups start back up, Right? So my experience is a lot of people are in the Word in the school year because they're in small groups. They're in a home group or they're in Axios or Abide or whatever. And then the summer hits and you kind of lose your rhythm. So I wanted to give us something that would take us through the summer. This is three days a week, as you'll notice. Easy. Anyone can do three days a week. This will get you through John's Gospel and Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the book of James. Okay, So you get a pretty nice... There's no Old Testament, which is the downside, but you get a nice sampling of the New Testament through that. I would encourage you, if you don't have something, start with this. Um, today, you're going to get an email from me at like 1230 that um, has a couple links on it that you can integrate this with your, your Google Calendar or your iCalendar if that's better than a physical copy. I did it all myself. I'm really proud of myself. I really am. And those who know me know how proud I am. Yes, because it's not my strength. Um, but I would encourage you, if you don't have a plan, do that one. Commit to it today. Um, it's three days a week. That's what I'm going to do this summer. Uh, and, and we could do it together. I think that would be great. Um, okay, the other option would be to use a Bible app. Some of you that enjoy the technology feature, there's some great Bible apps out there. Uh, let me just mention a couple of them. Some of these came through in the surveys of which ones have been helpful for you. Uh, the first one is read scripture. This is my personal favorite. This is, remember those videos of Ezekiel that I showed you? Those, those uh, cartoons? Uh, this, this will have a Bible reading plan. And as you go to different places, sometimes you can click on a video that will give you a five-minute video that will give you an overview of a book or it will give you an overview of a, of a biblical concept. This is the best thing that I personally have seen on the internet for Bible readers and sort of Bible, just understanding the Bible. Um, version is another one that a lot of people use that has a lot of good options. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hesitating to give specific ones because there's plenty of great ones out there. But this is, I think these are helpful to know. Uh, another one, She Reads Truth. Of course, for you women, that would be for you. And I, I looked at that one this week. It looks really good. Some of you recommended that. And then there's an audio one. Um, Pray as you go that I've mentioned. This is a Catholic resource. And what they do is they'll, they'll have a, a song. It'll be some interesting like um, 
international song, and they'll have a reading of the scriptures, and then they'll just have you ask yourself a couple questions about the passage, and they'll read it again. So this would be if, if the car is the best place for you, and rather than listening to sports radio or you know something else, um, it's not for everybody, but it is, I think it's, it's a valuable resource. And there's a he reads truth too. Well, that makes sense. Um, so just take the S off of that and we're good to go. Thank you. Uh, and then, so just a couple, couple options. And then um, how do you read? I, last week I said reading relationally on the, on the back of this card. I, this is what we printed out last week. This is how I would encourage you as you're in God's word. These are the kinds of questions that you want to be asking the Lord so that the time is really a time of relationship with him. All right, just my thoughts on this. Last question I asked on the survey, and I'm ending with this. What has been the most helpful resource, idea, or perspective for you when it comes to personal Bible reading? This was a fill-in, fill-in-the-blank. So I got all sorts of beautiful answers from you all. Three themes uh, really came to the surface uh, when I asked this question. The first is what I've been saying. Everyone said, having a plan, (laughs) that was the key. Having a plan was the key. Um, Second one, I loved this, along with having a plan, was being flexible, having some flexibility with yourself. I want a, a quote from someone. Again, this is a young mom. She said, being gracious with myself when it doesn't happen, choosing to find a way to still connect and be with God, even if it means I'm not in his word as much, maybe in prayer or in worship in my car with the kids, etc. cetera. Uh, and then being flexible in terms of choosing a different format for the different seasons of my life that are harder or busier. Instead of trying to keep up the same pace and foregoing time in the Word because I no longer have an hour to myself in the morning, I choose to use the five minutes I know I will have breastfeeding to read the Word instead. I've had to adjust my needs and expectations, approaching it without an all-or-nothing attitude. And I think that's good. You know, I think of this, this um, Bible in a year. This might be a perfect season to, for you to, to get the whole breadth of Scripture in a year. That's, you're, you're reading widely. You're reading more each day. And this might be a season... For that, for some of you, it might be a season. No, I, I need to just sit with a couple verses and just meditate on those. Uh, that's, this is a season for that. And so it's just being flexible and discerning what would be best for me in this season of my life. And then finally, this is by far the top thing that you all said, and this is, this is the one I want to really impress on you, was community and accountability. It was either, I read the Bible because I'm in a small group, because I'm in an Axios group, because I'm in a Bible, because I'm in Blessing, and... I meet with people and we talk about God's word. And so that's what I really want to encourage is to not, even though you're reading on your own, don't do this in isolation, but find a community of people that you can do this with. So this is a big plug for small groups in the fall, okay? But it's also, I would encourage, uh, even outside of that, maybe it just means I'm going to have a reading partner, for lack of a better word. I'm going to have a, a person in my life, a friend, and we've committed to, to one another that we're going to read through this plan together. So a couple, couple months ago, I was talking to a friend who attends here, and, and we were talking about that that rhythm is in our lives very well. And I said, I said well, let me, let me create a reading plan. We were trying to get up to the men's retreat. So I said, let me just create a one-month reading plan. And I did a three, three days a week. And the commitment was every day that we read, we just have to either text or email each other one thing that stood out to us from the passage. There could just be 
Sometimes it was a lengthy, you know, some, some really hit us this lengthy email, really processing things. One, it could just be, this word really hit me. It could be a 10-second text or it could be a, you know, 10-minute email. But that, we, com- we went from not reading much to at least reading three times a week, and we never missed. <laughs> so it's amazing how much having a community, having a friend to do this with makes a difference. All right, so there you have it. Keeping company with God's word. I want to encourage you, carve out time this, this week, if you haven't already this morning, to decide what is my plan for the summer? What are the next three months going to look like? And commit yourself to it and to do it with someone else. And I promise you, if you do that, you will experience the fruit of it. And I want to leave uh, you fathers, to come back to the theme of fathers, just by reminding you And it doesn't matter what stage of fatherhood you're in, but one of the great legacies you can leave your children is to be a man who keeps company with God's word. A man who consistently goes to God's word for truth and guidance and refreshment. It is a beautiful thing for children to see their fathers reading the word and not doing it for show, but reading because that's just what they do. I still remember being a kid and seeing my dad out in the backyard with his Bible and his yellow notebook, you know, in God's word consistently. Not because I was watching, because that's just what he did. And I can still remember his, his tone and posture when he came from that time and how different it was than what it was other times. I mean, not that he wasn't great other times, but he was, there was a noticeable refreshment in his face and a joy and a pleasure in life from doing that. And I want to just encourage you fathers, that is a beautiful legacy you leave your kids, and it doesn't matter what stage of fathering you're in. It's never too late to, to be a man of God's word. That, of course, goes for you women and you mothers as well. But I've been reading lately about statistics, about, about fathers and their devotion, their personal devotion to the Lord, and, and how that can be a huge impact on their children. So dads, I want to encourage you in that, to be men of the word. Let's pray. Well, Father, as we, in a sense, wrap up, uh, at least on Sunday mornings, this conversation on your word, I pray that you would invite each one of us uh, today into a meeting with you that happens through your word, into a regular time meeting with you in your word. I pray uh, as people think about this and even work through schedules that you would direct that time. You would give each of us discernment on when to best do that. Give us grace to do that. And then that you would bless our efforts. I mean, we can, we can structure our lives and that, that doesn't in itself lead to any fruit. You, your spirit is what brings fruit. And so we would ask that you would bless and empower and strengthen our efforts so that they might actually lead us to you, that we might find beautiful things in your word, that we might hide it in our hearts so that we would walk with you each day. So bless us in that, I pray. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.